What do you mean? Because don't you normally have the thing where it shows we're recording? Oh, it's the other one. Welcome back to the Red Dragon Sessions. And today, joining me and Bob in the studio, Bob and I, something like that, grammar, whatever, is Anna Ruiz from Drive Music. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Are you good? You got everything comfy? Yes, I am. Thank you. Plenty of water. All right, cool. So, Anna, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, let's just start off who you are and what Drive is and, and what kind of badassery you guys get up to over there. Drive Music Publishing has been around for six years. I've uh, been in the industry for 16 plus years. And Drive is a full-fledged worldwide music publishing company. So we're excited to see that we have people all over the world kind of representing our clients, which is exciting. And we're still growing. We've had a great run so far. We've had some great clients join us. We've been in some great sessions and connected people and collected amazing amounts of royalties. So it's been really a great ride. We're, we're doing what we do and we love what we're doing. More importantly, it's, it's a passion project. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a place that collects royalties. We really care about our clients. We're selective mm-hmm. to a certain extent. We've never done the usual marketing and selling ourselves and all those things just because that's not what it's about. It's about doing our job to the best of our ability. So we like it. And I personally came from just a a very corporate culture. So this was a way of really doing it um, what I consider the right way. Yeah. So that's kind of the basis of drive. And more importantly, we look at every client as an individual. You know, we want to do what's right for that client. Some of our clients are doing, you know, sessions to briefs. They, you know, they write to briefs. Some of them are doing sessions for other people. Some of them are producing and writing. Some of them are actual artists that Mm -hmm. sort of write, (laughs) just kind of go in the room and have a lot of deliverables and review deliverables that other people bring in. And some of our clients are people that you would never know that are insanely successful in the sync world, which is they make a living writing for syncs. Yeah, which is not easy. No. And I think of all of them, that's the hardest one because they don't, they never get to see that music related to themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's less personal and they work 10 times harder Mm -hmm. because they have to. Mm -hmm. I'm in that world. And actually the relatable part, I actually don't care about. I mean, just as a creative person, like I just like assignments. And some so, of them, like, I like, yeah. you know, delivering, but it, it is definitely obtuse. You're not writing two picture. No. You're, you're writing four picture. Right. Mm-hmm. And you of, don't necessarily ever <clears throat> see that Incidentally, picture, yeah. Unless you pay to go. Right. But or, you don't get the walkthrough that a lot of other people do. So you right. are truly just creating a work of art. There's no association. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's not personal per se. In the sense that, like you said, you're writing mm-hmm. to spec, you're writing mm-hmm. to a brief, you're mm-hmm. writing to something else or mm-hmm. for somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
And whether it'll stick or not, mm-hmm. you've already moved on to 10 other projects before it did or didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and the right. only way you know it did is because you got paid. Right. So, right. It, 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 and even then, getting paid isn't related to that getting out. It could have been you were the producer. It could have been. So we have some newbies that are in that world that mm-hmm. struggle with that until you get some calluses. And I say that respectfully. Mm-hmm. It hurts. It gets a little emotional. You got to deal with the person behind their, their, okay, it's not your baby. Right. You know, and I think in that regard for our younger kind of artist development, we have to tell them, okay, let's do this here. And then the stuff that's really personal somewhere else Mm -hmm. so that you can have both worlds Mm -hmm. until you get used to one or more successful in one or the other. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you got your calluses, you're a little better. You can kind of feel it. You get that little thick skin to where you can be, you can be vulnerable when it's your baby and you can have that thick skin to just do what's needed Mm -hmm. on the other side. And they're very different personalities that, Mm -hmm. that stick to one or the other. Very few that can do both. Yeah. It's it's interesting to have to wear for, for my particular job, I have to wear all the hats. So when I'm doing an artist thing, like last night I was recording something for sync, but it's a cover, but I'm the artist singing on it. So it's uh, this hybrid of putting my voice on it, right? but using their music. Also producing another song this week for another artist where she only sings. So she's not playing an instrument. So all the instruments I'm playing, except for two sections. Historically, I would never put my thing on their thing. But in this case, because it's her voice, for a first for me, and I've been doing this for like 15 years, I actually was like, all right, I'm putting myself on your song. I hope you like it. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting. That's that's to, new. To, to, to get to do, to do that. And then, of course, your own personal singer-songwriter type stuff, the confessional stuff, or also just instrumental stuff that has nothing to do with. Those are like four different hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mandatory to be able to wear all of them, though. Like, well, in today's yeah, music yeah. industry, it's even, you can't unless you do, mm-hmm. you know? And and that's where the difference is between my legacy artists that mm-hmm. are very singular in mm-hmm. what they do, sure. and I have the new artists that mm-hmm. are developing, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to talk to them mm-hmm. as in, we have to do it all mm-hmm. until we figure out where you, what couple of places you can fit mm-hmm. and where you're comfortable mm-hmm. and where you're going to be successful because it's so obvious if there's no passion behind something mm-hmm. that they just won't get there and you got to do the time and you got to put the energy into it and mm-hmm. the work mm-hmm. and if you don't have the work and the passion mm-hmm. it doesn't happen and our legacy artists because they do a lot of consulting with a lot of legacy artists mm-hmm. to try to either monetize their flailing catalogs that have Mm -hmm. been sitting in these humongous buildings that Mm -hmm. don't get attention Mm -hmm. or helping them look at their career in today's music industry Mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of talk them off the ledge, so Mm -hmm. to speak, because they tend to be like, well, but I'm so-and-so. I've been around for 47 years or 30 years or 20 years. Right. In the music industry, that can be amazing or, oh, wow, you're a dinosaur. Right. Mm -hmm. There's very little middle ground. So you have to tell them, 
okay, so what do you do well? What do you like to do? And you're, it's almost offensive to them that you would even dare to ask because I'm so successful. Well, I got to ask. We have to have that conversation because you may want to believe that everybody loves your albums that all kind of sound the same mm-hmm. for the last 20 years. And now you decide you're going to do something totally wickedly different. Well, that may not fit. So yeah. <laughs> we have to have the real conversations of, hey, what can you do? And now all of a sudden they want to help produce. Right. Mm-hmm. But don't have a lick of an idea of what it, what all it takes in today's music industry to produce. Oh, it's really not the same as it was 10 years ago, yeah. much less 15 years ago. So oh, yeah. there's a lot of walking people through those. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go off my script just a little bit because I just want to tell you, first of all, Anna, those of us that are fans of you and look up to you, one of the reasons that you are so good with those legacy artists is because you do talk to them on that level. There's not a lot of people in your position in the industry who have the cojones to like sit down with a legacy artist and be that truthful and be that honest and have that hard conversation. It needs to happen more across the board, not mm-hmm. just with the newbies that the bigwigs feel like they can just talk to however, but it also has to happen with the legacy artists. They they really need to understand that you, you forget, you get into a bubble when you're successful. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason you can't or shouldn't, you know, we all have our own bubbles that we live in, but it's it's good to like let some air in there and and have some truth. And that's, one of the reasons why so many of us love and respect you and so many of your clients do too. I just wanted to tell you that. Thank you. By the way. It's very sweet of you. It's hard though. Oh I yeah. Mean, it, you have to gain their trust mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of trust in the music industry, but it's equally the same with a new kid, mm-hmm. you know, a younger person mm-hmm. as it is as a legacy. That's where I think it's like being in the studio. Mm-hmm. When you're in there, it's just you and maybe two other people. Mm-hmm. That's your world at that point. Mm-hmm. And once they leave the studio, they get just all this positive energy or whatever it is that that the accolades and the you live in that bubble. Well, the the new person that's in the studio for you know years or has been creating this amazing album that they get to take ten years to create, mm-hmm. and then it gets out there and everybody loves it, and then. You know, their deliverables are, you know, right behind them that mm-hmm. they have to deliver something else within six months that they didn't get 10 years and mm-hmm. 16 producers to deal with. Mm-hmm. Now they have to deliver it. Well, they're just as in their own bubble and mm-hmm. you got to kind of, hey, snap out of it, get mm-hmm. to work. Mm-hmm. Like, right. There's no time to be excited about all the accolades. Mm-hmm. There's no time for that. you got to work 10 times harder when you're successful the first time than you did to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that you have to sit with artists and tell them. And you have to have the same exact conversation with the legacy. Mm-hmm. Like snap out of it. I know everybody loves you, but you gotta deliver. You got Sorry. an album to put together. It's gotta be well done. It's gotta be better than the last one. It's gotta be more produced. You gotta get more people in it. You gotta get a bigger, a bigger vibe, a bigger flavor, a bigger whatever you wanna call it to reach more people. Because you already have these guys, they're they're in. Mm-hmm. But if you take too long, they're out. That's right. You know, and it's so you're having the same conversations with both parties. The thing is that with a younger person, they look at you as an older person and have somewhat of a respect. With someone who's older, they're going to look at you and go, "What do you know?" And you're a woman. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just say, all the more reason. You're not doing well. 
Let me show you why. Here's your numbers. Because I'm not going to tell you how I feel. It doesn't matter right now. I'm going to show you. You do really well in Japan. You do really well in Germany. You do really well in these. You're not doing so well in the U.S. Do you want to? Because you may not want to. And that's okay. It's career choice at that point. So you have to have something that you can put in front of them so they can get past their own ego. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have to say, I'm going to leave my ego on the outside. Can you do the same? Because we're Mm going to have a real conversation. So if you can't, and this is where we've talked about it. it was back in my preschool days, you had to get the person in the room whether they're two Mm -hmm. or 80 or 40 or 20 or whatever, Mm -hmm. and help them see themselves for who they are, not for what everyone else says they are. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard one. Yeah. So I I do a lot of that. I try to think of, okay, what do they like to do? Who are they as a person? You know, we talk about simple things. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite fruit? And suddenly they're not that person. Mm -hmm. They're just... They're just hanging out. It's just earning mutual respect. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's, it's all about respect. And I think it's interesting, too, especially for the legacy artists. They've been essentially, you know, their success has been brought up in a completely different system. Mm -hmm. Especially in the last 10, 15 years, everything's gone on its head a billion different ways. That's a hard thing being the eyeglasses person. Be like, "Why why don't you try these ones on? You might see a little differently. It's like the optometrist. Yeah. Better one, better two. Totally. Better one, better <laughs> totally. two. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it depends on their frame of mind, you know, whether, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't happen the first time we meet. It's usually, I'm usually an observer and I stay really quiet and I kind of fade into the background. And then one of my clients said to me, because I went to see him, one of his shows and I went backstage and I'm like, oh, I'm just here to say hi really fast. He's like, where are you going? And I said, I, I got to go. I got to go awesome show like amazing loved it loved this that gave him a couple of little things that I really thought were amazing because he never does it and then I was like I gotta go he's like well you can't leave I need to ask you some questions I'm like, so call me <laughs> and he kind of looked at me like call me <laughs> and I'm like you have my cell number and he's like well you have mine too and it was like well then we should talk <laughs> and I kind of got ready to leave and then I thought oh I should that's, whoa, I just, you know, so I came back and I'm like, I'm sorry, let's talk. So we talked for a few minutes and then because I thought that was great that you're that comfortable with me Mm because I'm that comfortable with you. And I thought that was next level. You know, Mm -hmm. that means that I was comfortable enough to do that and he was comfortable to receive it and it was, and we're okay with all that. And it just, you know, you're in the middle. This is your show. There's all these people giving you tons of love. I'm not, I'm business. So well, let me get out of your way. But it's not anymore. It's now we have a relationship. And mm-hmm. But I still respect that he's doing his thing and, you know, whatever it is. And then I have another client that's completely different, very urban rap. And I'm always like, you know, from far away, just waving, you know, just, hey, I came. And then it's like, no, wait, we have to talk. And, <laughs> you know, we'll talk for a few minutes. But it's it's just knowing time and place. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a time and a place to pull some of those things. And it's usually done privately when I'll say things like, that's not working. We need right. to work on this. You're not doing well in this arena. I'm not getting those that music back for those briefs. So I'm just letting you know, if you want to go in that, we need to hustle on the turnaround. Let's be real. And if right. it's not something you're going to do, I'll still send you the briefs. But that's not how that world works. You can take a long time over here, 
but you can't do it over here. So you right. have to mm-hmm. just, you know, it is trust. It's complete and total honesty. Mm-hmm. And that's hard sometimes. Oh, definitely. Because there have been times when I have an opinion. And there are times when they ask me for an opinion and I'll just say, look, it's a creative decision. That's, that's your world. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to step on any toes. And so you have to kind of know when, where they are with it because the wrong comment could also hurt trust. Yeah. We all talk to everybody differently. Mm-hmm. Like I talk to Bob a certain way. I don't talk to you necessarily the same way. But so it's, true. it's the same for it's the same for everybody. So even you don't necessarily say like, okay, you're a legacy artist. So I talk to all my legacy artists the same way. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. No. You talk to each person individually. And that's one of the things that that people have a hard time learning when they're when they're coming up in the business. Is there's no one way. I had a, a friend of mine who struggled really hard with the fact that he had to tailor how he spoke to different people because he had just run his life with, you know, he thought he was changing himself when he did that. He thought, well, this is my life and this is who I am and, and everybody in this world likes me. So when I go into the music business, it'll just be the same way. And I just talk to everybody the same way. And I was like, yeah, you're setting yourself up for failure here. And he had, he had to have some really hard hurt feelings conversations with people before he figured it out, but he did figure it out. And, and he's really good at it now. He's really good at understanding that. When you're an independent Mm -hmm. versus being in a corporate culture, Mm -hmm. there's, there's an amazing freedom and people can reciprocate you know, that same spirit of freedom and you're right. an independent and you're out there hustling and you're doing what you have to do. As cautious as you tend to be, you're also a lot freer with the projects you pick or the things that you want to work on or who mm-hmm. you want to work with. That same freedom gives you a lot of leeway mm-hmm. yeah. on what you're willing to do and say. And it restricts you in some cases because there are certain things that could pay a lot of money and you could do a lot of greatness. But just has to feel right and it has to be something I'm passionate about and because it I know it won't have the same result mm-hmm. yeah so why put yourself out there if it's not gonna mm-hmm. be something you can signature mm-hmm. yeah exactly you know this is one of the things that I I look at you and I try to like figure out how you do it because I have to figure out how to do it too we're in a similar business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something you do really well. You have this great passion for the analytic side of things. And yet you have great passion for your clients. How do you translate that? Most fans of music who have great, you know, great passion for music. But how do you translate that into your skill set? Because your skill set is with data and with analytics and things like that. Yet there's so much passion that comes from the music that fuels it. How do you translate that? Oh my God, I love this artist. I get to work with this artist every day. Let me sit down in front of a Excel spreadsheet and like stare at numbers for 10 hours. How do you see yourself translating that? It, it, somebody asked me that recently and I, I akin it to, I love storytelling. So music to me is the most amazing way for a story to reach millions of people, right? So, and that's always been, I've always been a super nerd with lyrics mm-hmm. and lyrics just like, I have to know the lyrics <laughs> when I hear a song. It's like, it is, it's weird. Yeah. 
it's always been something ever since I was very little. I wanted to learn the words. Mm-hmm. And I would learn the words before I had any idea of how to put it to the music. And I would repeat the words even as four or five-year-old. Repeat the words and repeat the words. And, and it was something that just spoke to me. So, And to me, it was the story. And how does that relate to numbers? I, I started in the music industry, specifically in audit, and worked with an amazing human being who basically explained to me how those numbers tell the story of a life cycle of a song. In learning it in that way, it tells me the story behind the music. So royalties to me can tell me the true pattern of how a song hits the world, how it's absorbed, where it's absorbed in the world and why, and how those numbers, and it sounds, it may sound odd, but so when those numbers come back to me and I'm able to kind of tear them apart and and break it down because I'm a complete numbers nerd and I'm self, you know, labeled as a numbers nerd. Mm-hmm. I sit down and I look at the the pattern of a song or how a catalog is growing, how to build it better, where the holes are, where the exposures are, that why they're there. Why is something not popular in Australia, yet it's 10 times more popular in Japan? And, and it's knowing like, well, in those certain countries, certain music has a longer lifespan because they have the fans mm-hmm. tend to absorb it a certain way. Mm-hmm. Certain countries, metal is really heavy and strong and big and and it stays for a longer period of time. In other countries, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, the U.S. tends to be more cyclical. We like to have new stuff and bring mm-hmm. new stuff and we're always looking for the newest stuff. We're a fresher, younger, newer country. So relatable to the rest of the world, especially Europe, where it's more solid and 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 there's a lot more history things the historical value is really significant so the life cycle will be longer so when you start to break all that and i can go really really sideways with all of that but it gives me an idea of what this separate catalog the music in and of itself its story so Mm -hmm. when i sit down with an artist i feel like i know them to a certain extent stuff that they don't even know about themselves, right? Why, why, you know, a particular song was written when they were 16, 17 years old, and it's still a humongous hit. Why a song is not a throwaway song to them, yet the world absorbed it. Well, the reason it's a throwaway song for them, and this is an artist that I'm thinking about about six or seven years ago when we sat down and had this conversation, and he said, it's a throwaway song. I did, I didn't really like it, but it's a huge hit for the last 30-something years. There was no association to it because it was written for somebody else. Mm-hmm. When it was sat, when he sat down to write it, it was never his. There's no, there's like Investment, you said earlier, yeah. there's no, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. So you learn, okay, I see what they do, and I see the relationships that they've been in in their lives and who was a throwaway and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. And you see kind of their relationships go through with marriages or, you know, relationships mm-hmm. or children even, mm-hmm. you know, and divorces. And so you really start to look at the story of them through their music, but then the catalog itself has its own story. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's it's the best way I could describe my left brain, right brain, crazy weirdness that I have the whole creative storytelling, love the music, insanely interested in the craft, but also be able to sit here and say, well, how 
how can I make this catalog stronger? How can I make it more valuable? How can I extend the life cycle of those songs? Where Where's the next pitch going to be so that it's not exposed in Australia or it's not exposed in South America or even Central America? Let's re-expose it there. Let's have someone cover it in another language. Mm-hmm. Let's translate it. Let's use it in a commercial that has an impact in the country then all of a sudden there's a relatability in that culture or it's a relatability to a younger generation or or you know what let's let's look at the next media the next new right. media and see if we can't bring something classic and something new together and create the amazing explosion of newness and a new audience and so it's it's always for me been putting those two worlds together for me is logical yeah to other people it's Okay, so you sit and you do numbers all day and then you're in the studio telling us how to be better. Like, how do you do those two things? It's not. It's all one big story. Part of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. It's kind of like digestion where you're taking in this fuel, the creative that your client is putting out or that you're, even if they're not your client, that creative energy that you hear and feel through Mm -hmm. music you're taking that in as fuel and then your body is processing it to be like, okay, I am, I am fueled up. Now I can create my own story with these numbers and I can take the numbers from this and I can process this and, and create another story from it. You're actually kind of a creator in a way, sort of. I was thinking about an archeologist, actually. An alchemist. An alchemist, it's, yeah. yeah. It's systemic, first so, of all. Yeah. You understand the system. Mm-hmm. You're able to identify the why in all the different parts. But the mm-hmm. cool thing for me, just on the creative side, that you can identify, you know, if you'd be open to it. If you just did this over here, put a little bit of this, spray a little bit of that over there. And then, I mean, you've painted this picture. You've got this. I mean, to be able to connect the dots like that is so mm-hmm. unique yeah, and cool. It, it is. And it's the audit background and the also the numbers background but it's also understanding and having conversations with artists that they themselves are as disconnected to the business side as they've always been Mm -hmm. and trying to say yeah but today you can't succeed without the right team without the right Mm -hmm. understanding with the basics we didn't have to do that 10 years ago Mm -hmm. it was okay if you didn't know Mm -hmm. didn't matter Someone mm-hmm. else would take care of it. Mm-hmm. And now there's so much that everybody feels that, that we're being cheated or we're not getting all our money or someone else is making money off of our money or whatever it is that, that you really have to be, if you're going to survive in the publishing world, far more transparent, far more real, mm-hmm. and help them at least understand some of it enough to feel like they can be totally creative. It's not just I go and I punch your royalties and it's all good and I give you a check and it's all cool. Hi, I'm Anna, you're so-and-so, you know, whoever you are, you're Bob, you're, um, you know, whoever it is, it's now you need to know that that person might have some info on your album. That person might say, we might sit down right now. I'm sitting down with one of my clients because we're trying to figure out how she's going to release her, her album whether it's going to be an EP, whether we're going to do singles, you know, for mm-hmm. a while or whether how it's going to work mm-hmm. with her schedule and mm-hmm. touring in Europe and all these other things. And now everybody has to talk. Mm-hmm. 
Laura didn't have to talk to anybody. You know, the publisher didn't have to talk to anybody. The manager was doing their thing. Mm -hmm. Now we all have to sit down and kind of coordinate this mm -hmm. from a business side and a creative side mm -hmm. and all the media streams that we have to tackle. Mm -hmm. Which ones are her strongest? Mm -hmm. Which, where is she going to fit the most? Mm -hmm. Well, that means I got to do my homework. Mm -hmm. I got to come in with... What's your best foot forward? Yeah. We didn't have this five years ago, mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Five years ago, we were still fighting over the internet. Mm -hmm. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is who who knows best in this scenario, you know, because you're going to have, you know, so-and-so who's going to be like, well, I'm developing such and such or, you know, and I have the vision creatively that it's supposed to look like this. And then, you know, you technically have the ability to look at numbers and say, well, th these are weak areas. These are positive areas. These are, you know, at the end of the day in, in the team scenario, it's kind of a challenging thing because who actually is wearing the, the big hat? You know, because I, I think it's supposed to be the artist, but uh, oftentimes it's it's very difficult. I mean, the, the reason artists get help with <laughs> is because that isn't the right. the strong point. Right. You know, so it's like who is actually driving the bus? <laughs> you know, I don't think I, I don't think there uh, there's one bus driver anymore. I have an artist that I'm working with right now where she has a team talking about release schedules and this and that, and then becoming part of that team is like an interesting like which. I'm producing this song, but you want me to produce vocals for future songs. That's cool. Who's on first? Right. Like, <laughs> right. Like, right. and then who, who's the umpire? Like, who's, who's yeah. what, and, what game are we playing? <laughs> Did I show up with the right outfit? <laughs> is this rugby or lacrosse? Am I soccer sure. or football or? I brought my tennis racket and my bat. Which one do I need? Honest yeah. to God. And, and the teams, and that's, and that's part of the problem try to get the best of the best, but if they can't work together to to create the solid foundation for the vision of the creative person mm -hmm. and give them all the best, you know, most wonderful tools that they need mm -hmm. to tr truly be the most amazing visionary artist that mm -hmm. they choose to be, mm -hmm. then we all fail. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a collective success and a collective failure. However, there are many rooms that I'm I'm a consultant on where I'm literally the referee, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm saying, well, that sounds amazing. But let me tell you why this person should be making that decision, mm -hmm. because there is divisiveness in the music industry mm -hmm. and, and it's based on power mm -hmm. and authority. Mm -hmm. No one has the power and the authority except the creative person mm -hmm. in my vision. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how Agreed. I look at it. Mm -hmm. I look at it as if I'm doing my job right mm -hmm they feel supported, right. they feel they have someone they can trust, right. and they can go be their amazing right. selves. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not doing that and someone in the team's not doing it, we're all going to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard one because it's hard to tell a lawyer, you're not watching out for their best interest. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of times you have to say that or a manager, hey, step aside. I know you have your best interests at heart mm -hmm. and their best interests, but you need to take us into consideration. Mm -hmm. And a manager right. has so many hats on mm -hmm. that it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's t I think probably in my opinion, being a manager in the music industry today is akin to being a producer in the music industry today. It's the most terrifyingly complicated jobs that get the least credit. Mm -hmm. They really do. And they're the ones who create the opportunities in the management side and create the absolute pieces of art mm -hmm. and they don't get any of the credit in my opinion 
publishers, we're not supposed to get credit. We're supposed to be the, the supporters and the infrastructure. And if we're not doing our jobs, then nobody gets paid. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. it, right. they're all important, not to say that lawyers aren't important too. Mm-hmm. They play a, a, an important part. But I feel like when it comes to the decision-making process, I think it has to be the support of the creative, which is the producers that are in there. And I think it has to be the manager that is in there in the mix to create the vision of the artist. And I think that you have to have a royalty person or a royalty company or publishing company that's going to find as a million exposures that's going to give you the biggest, widest net Mm -hmm. of collection. And if we can get at least those three things in order, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a cool lawyer that'll Mm -hmm. make it happen, Mm -hmm. put it on paper, make sure Mm -hmm. our eyes are dotted. Somebody's got that lawyer's job is in part to protect what everybody else has done to make sure that that can come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So it's an important piece of the puzzle. And, it is. And sometimes, not to be forgotten, I guess, is sometimes there are, I think it's very rare, but artists that really have a clue about how to achieve what they want mm-hmm. and they pick people for their team just intuitively that just right. happen to be a good good fit. But I think that's more often than not, it's sort of accidentally cobbled together. <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah. kind of like, like yeah. this person's been doing this and this person's been doing this and I hope you guys get along, you know, right. but like, the, yeah, but <laughs> there, it works. yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to, to know a handful of artists that are in a rare category of having total vision for yeah. their thing. And it's, it's exciting to see, I mean, it's so everybody's doing things differently, see things work when they're working. It's really exciting to it's magical see, see how it, that yeah it, as corny as that sounds to me there's an energy that kind of fills the room and absolutely but you also have to protect the artists from their own because they're in their creative space mm-hmm. from all the hangers on right mm-hmm. there's a lot of times that you're like okay you need to leave the room you need to leave the room you need to leave the room mm-hmm. because we need this person completely mm-hmm. in their own space mm-hmm. and there's a lot of static Mm-hmm. I always kind of walk in and go, why do we have so much static in the room? Mm-hmm. And they're like, and uh, there's certain people that I work with that know exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's just these other things that don't need to be there or people or, or influences mm-hmm. that hurt that mm-hmm. energy that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, it takes reading the room. Yes, it takes kind of walking in. But yes, it also takes being the person that can say it without hurting any relationships. And that sometimes means that the publisher has to go, hey, you know, these folks aren't writing, so let's have them go in and I'm going out with you because I'm going to take my static self mm-hmm. out of here because <laughs> right. it helps clear the room enough so the energy is good and, and they can do their job and they can be amazing. And more often than not afterwards, I get the proverbial thank you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the very quiet thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. and. So sometimes it means you have to be the quote unquote bad guy or you have to do other things as part of their team. Mm-hmm. That's our right. job. I have no problem being the bad guy. I'll be the bad guy. <laughs> it can be kind of fun. You come up, you come up with some pre <laughs> expression on your face. <laughs> it can be a little fun. She says, I, I won't lie. How many have you ever had to come up with like, oh hey, you know, so and so artist told me about your new dogs do you have any pictures of your dogs i'm gonna go out here and sit can you can you just come show me pictures of the new dogs mm-hmm. or something have you ever had to like come up yes. with like creative like oh, come with me i've had to say oh that's interesting 
that pipe you have. Let's go outside. Like I would, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, we're not doing this. They're working, so you and I are going to stand outside mm-hmm. and talk, and you can do whatever it is you're doing." Yeah, and we're gonna, or it could be as simple as, "All lawyers, let's go." <laughs> Yeah, you're intimidating in the room. ESQ at the end of your name. (laughs) Stand up and follow me. (laughs) Could all the ESQs please report to the hallway area for your briefing? Reporting ESQs. ESQs. ESQs to the green room, please. ESQs to the green room. Oh, what is that? Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, in the concerts, too, you have to tell them, can you get off the stage? Yeah. Uh, Yes, you're backstage. I get it. But you're in the path. You need to get out. You need to move. (laughs) ESQ's that way. Oh, I've I've totally had to remove people from backstage. I love it. That's my favorite job. Um, So... Let's shift gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Who are who are some of your? We talk a lot about heroes and things on this show. Who are some of your heroes? Not necessarily musically, but maybe also in the industry. You know, it's all the people kind of behind the scenes that work really hard, and it's never been like a dramatically amazing person in my life. It's been always the people that that you meet. You know, at the risk of sounding a bit jaded. There's so few people in this industry that you meet that are genuinely loving what they do and genuinely wanting to do what's best for whoever's in the room they're working with and genuinely want to be their personal best for that Mm -hmm. situation. That when I see that, I just, I get like goosebumps and I get really happy and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're just like us and we're all a bunch of nerds. And, you know, and I, I think I did that to you. I think I yeah. totally weirded out on you and you were like, all right, you can leave now. Um, <laughs> I totally didn't. I wanted to nerd out more. I was like, you want to pull up some more YouTube analytics? Let's look at totally this. Totally nerd out on that. I, yeah. see, I can see this. I, yeah. I it would be this. really weird for you. No, I, I would just be like, Shiny thing. Is there a gumball <laughs> machine anywhere? <laughs> and do you have a quarter? Right. <laughs> so I think it's, I think my heroes are the people that live in the spirit of, we're in the music industry. We love what we do. We get to do this every day. We get to meet people every day. And every day you find that shiny penny and you're just so excited about that person that you met that day. Right. And so when I hear the, word heroes to me it's it's such a big word for where we the world we're living in today Mm -hmm. having a a nephew that's in the military and having you know seeing our world kind of the way it is it's there are heroes in our lives every day there's Mm -hmm. people doing amazing things every day and that's a word that i i hold very dear to my heart but i also see it music is such a huge archive of our world you know and it gives our gives us all something to hang on to that defines a moment that defines a feeling that defines a something that that's just resonates very deep in our heart and soul so i feel like creative people are heroes in their own way because they give us something so profound that so many of us can't do Mm -hmm. and then i see people who are behind the scenes who never get noticed who work so hard to make sure it has that special sauce, right? And then you have 
the the managers that don't sleep that bust their butts all over the world trying to everywhere trying to make things happen and get scarce thank you periodically mm-hmm. i think so i think we all are heroes in what we do mm-hmm. if we do it from we're coming from a good place and we come from passion and we come from from and we're lucky there's so few of us in the world that get to do this every day it's true so i think there's at the risk of sounding a bit evasive, there's not one person in my particular life that mm-hmm. I had a lot of things that didn't work out the right way for a long time. And I, this is my finally things, it's working out the right way. And it seems to be something that I can spend all day and all night sometimes doing, just being passionate about. So I think that I've been lucky. I've met some amazing people in my life and I have an amazing business partner that was willing to take the ride and start drive with me. So I think, God bless him. He's a hero in my eyes because <laughs> it can't be easy. You know, and it's just those things, you know, there are people, but I see it in everyone. I think we're all, you know, I look at you and doing this. This is so important for someone to stop their life and what they do and how much how well they do it and how important it is to stop and just listen to people and put them in the room and record something and let us share stories and share their stories when we can't and give us an opportunity to to hear someone else's perspective i think Mm -hmm. in the music industry we don't listen which is crazy because it's the music industry and making us stop and listen is is to me a hero's moment you know, it's those things that make us all better people. And I think yeah. so ultimately we all should have hero moments every day. Yeah. In a in a world of grand gestures and big important things happening, it's the little things Absolutely. that really become the most important. Mm-hmm. And the little people who really become the heroes. It is. Like yeah. It is. It's it's the unexpected, right? Yeah. You expect things from certain people, but when you get something that's so unexpected it touches you in a way that you can't even explain it. Yeah. Just, just very much like a song, very much like a moment, very much like a, the chemistry when you have something like that with someone. It's it's a really special, very rare, rare occurrence. Yeah. Well, Anna, I can't think of a better spot to come full circle and, and land on than that. And um, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. I mean, we went way off script and it was so much fun and I love it. I I, I want to go off script every time now. Yeah, do it. (laughs) I think you touched on something too about being passionate because I, I, Mm -hmm. in other interviews, people ask me about what, you know, why do you think blah, blah, blah. And like talking about success and this and that being passionate about what you're good at. Mm -hmm. That gives you all the energy you need. Mm-hmm. I mean, you find energy where you didn't even realize you had it. So you're talking about staying up all night and this and that, like no problem. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Totally there. And time, what time, what? Like you don't notice it. And I, I feel like people don't talk about that that often, but you, you've mentioned it a couple times and it's so important. It's critically important actually. Well, you can't, you can't master something unless there's a few, it's fueled by passion mm-hmm. because that, the, the, the lack of acknowledgement of time mm-hmm. is because you're so immersed and it comes from a very deep place in who you are mm-hmm. that you're not doing things in the, 
okay, the drudgery of, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. Mm -hmm. You're in your zone. Mm -hmm. And there is something very true to be said about Mm -hmm. the zone fuels, the mastery fuels, the passion fuels. And that's why you're amazing at what you do. You can be amazing, but we all know it didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. We all know we worked at it Mm -hmm. and we became more in love with it. And the better we got, the more passionate we get, the more it's, Mm -hmm. it's, you, but you got to do the work. You have and to I put tell the, time the kids in. all the time, I'm like, and I to me, everybody's a kid. <laughs> I tell them all, you need to you need to find something that you really like and build it into something you really love. Because it's not going to be love instantly. Mm-hmm. It may be. It may mm-hmm. be something you tinkered with mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're really good at it and mm-hmm. you... And then, but, but that's why you lose track of time. And that's why people like, you know, mm-hmm. you people, like everybody comes to you because mm-hmm. you see it, mm-hmm. you're watching them in their zone. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to see oh, yeah. someone. It's, a, it's an interesting observation. Cause yeah. I, 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 sometimes I don't know actually, but you just actually described something to me that actually just explained like a whole lot. I know it when it's happening to me and I do see it when it's happening to other people, but I never even thought like, oh, you're just slipping into the passionate moment. We're just all here together riding this thing. That's why people are comfortable. But I I never actually just connected that until just now. But for you, it's, you know, Mm kind of coming into your space Mm -hmm. in the studio. Mm -hmm. This studio is such an amazing Mm -hmm. physical presence of Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so the energy that Mm -hmm. you get when you walk in Mm -hmm. and from you Mm -hmm. is so insanely like, this is my zen this is my (laughs) my home but this is also my heart this Mm, is what i mm, feel mm. and you preparing everything is done with so much care and it does that's not the norm you Mm. are not the norm this is outside of Mm. what you have to do you could set up Mm. a a recording session and be like do 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 do, all right done okay Mm. but it's not Mm. you're very present here and Mm. if the energy is very present here Mm. it's amazingly inspiring to sit and talk to someone like you Mm. and talk to Yvette and see how we kind of all how we all live our lives and how it shows through in the work we do and this Mm -hmm. is you know, your studio is amazing and beautiful. Yeah. Your studio is like a big warm hug. It is. Ah, <laughs> it does. I love that. It yeah. feels very much like comfortable. That's really yeah. sweet. Yeah. That's I described the Grammys this year actually as that it's with a big Alicia warm Keys. Hug. Yeah, I know oh. that sounds strange, but No, it doesn't. Alicia it doesn't. Keys hosting, I felt like for the first time in this is my fifth one, the Staples Center actually had like a big warm hug in it. Well, I mean Madison Square and the year before but like it was the first time it really felt personable much more connected it's mo- it felt very like, intimate like like there was care but that's really nice of you to say all those things it's true and mm-hmm. it's 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 she don't lie about that well it's neat to i mean i i actually a lot of people say that but it's, it's neat to like <laughs> hear it so articulately <laughs> no i mean you because you kind of made a story i mean it, it really paints the picture and I appreciate hearing it because, you know, it's my little bubble. It's my, it's the mm-hmm. the inside of my heart, as you it say. Is. Like, it is. It's, here you are. Uh, welcome. <laughs> but welcome true, true. Bob world. Seriously. It's Bob's world. Bob's world. We just live in it. Sincerely. No, but it's just true, you know, because you want to make, make way for other people's, you know, I, I want you to be able to do your thing. Mm-hmm. 
um, in this safe space, basically. You make it easy. Well, that's right. You make it easy. It's, it's designed for that. Mm-hmm. Like you walk in and you feel that. Mm. Like immediately all the weirdness <laughs> that you feel when you... When you're going to do something like this, and in fact, for me, who's mm-hmm. never really done this before, mm-hmm. to feel like super comfortable, mm-hmm. and it just it's like okay, yeah, ask me whatever, I'll just answer. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> there you go. That's the plan. Okay, and yeah. and it worked, right? So, and I, I mean, to, you know, kudos to both of you. I think you know our relationship makes it super easy because we pretty much talk about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you bet. Um, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh yeah, if I got o- you. If my <laughs> office walls could talk, we'd be in a lot of trouble. But it also, you know, kind of coming in and meeting Bob, it just makes it really easy. So it's just, it, but it's all good. We we work in a very interesting industry, and like I said, there's some interesting characters, and it's nice to meet some nice people. Likewise, we work well, in a we work in an industry where we take this energy from a show or from music that's very physical that like, you know, the vibrations of sound and they actually move through your body and they actually cause changes in your psyche and your form and, and your cells and everything. And then we, I think all three of us in here take that energy that's very tactile mm-hmm. and we turn it into something very cerebral. Mm-hmm. That's kind of remarkable. Because I know when I when I leave a show and it's an artist I love, the very first thing I'm thinking about in the car is, okay, so that song, okay, we need to go look up some stuff. We need to find some stuff for that because it's a really great live version, and we need to go like look for uses and and like get those monetized. And then we and I'm not I'm not even thinking about oh my god, I want to learn how to play that like everybody else in the concert was. I'm thinking okay, it's gonna be on YouTube. I gotta go get it and. Okay, and then, oh, what was it that so-and-so said? Okay, that's going to totally be a sound bite tomorrow, so like, look for videos with that. Like, I'm totally <laughs> thinking about all the publishing aspects of it. Like, oh, they did that. They fucking did the new song, and they haven't turned the splits in yet. Son of a bitch. Like, somebody call the manager tomorrow. Like, <clears throat> that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and you're thinking about, okay, I better get that set list before I leave here. Yeah. You know, or I better... Okay, mm-hmm. what was that song and why did we turn it into a medley? I need to figure out what that song in the middle was. You yeah, know, and exactly. you're just you're constantly tearing it out and pulling it into right. your world to see where you can add value, mm-hmm. which is extremely important, but mm-hmm. also because that's that's what they need me to do. Because mm-hmm. they do that amazingness up there mm-hmm. and it's my job to do my amazingness over here. Mm-hmm. And so you know it's 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 owning it and being a part of the team and, and it doesn't work unless we're all in, fully engaged and in today's music industry, not to be the Debbie Downer, there's not enough, <laughs> not enough of people doing that we're looking at copyrights in the millions and we're looking at copyrights as who you know who has more who's Mm -hmm. buying more who gets to hold the bigger bag Mm -hmm. instead of really looking at artists and creative people and songwriters as these amazing human beings that get to share these amazing works of art with all of us and the rest of the world gets it better than we do here Mm -hmm. which is really sad to me because we have some amazing talent in this country that we should have more respect for. We should respect music more. We should respect ownership of that more. And we should try to be more unified with 
look, streaming isn't going away, so let's work together. And there's an amazing amount of people on that side of the world that have been stellar, you know, heroic and making things happen. There's still a lot of work for us to do. Our little new country here needs to get up to speed with what ownership of copyright and what copyrights mean and and how we can monetize and how we can grow streaming sites and they can pay us better and we could all work together. It's not, hey, they're the bad guys, we're the good guys. That's not how it works. It's we all have to work together. Let's talk about it. Behind all those crazy decisions are people. So yeah. let's let's have a conversation and let's let's value these people that are songwriting because not all of us can do it. Mm-hmm. Let's value the people that are behind the creative development of it because not of us, all of us can do it well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that have a lot of hats that don't shouldn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on that. <laughs> so, but it's you know it's looking at it from because I could go seriously you know as an advocate and dealing you know being in the advocacy world of the Grammys and trying to sure. make sure we make some sort of he- sort of headway with mm-hmm. with our congressmen and just in general. Sure. Nobody understands what the problems are. Mm-hmm. If we understood what the problems were and people were having real conversations, we could probably find solutions. Yeah. But the, everybody kind of keeping their head in the sand mm-hmm. doesn't work anymore. Did mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a lot of educating. It's a lot of growing. It's mm-hmm. a lot of talking. It's a lot of good people that they're, they are out there. I have yeah. seen quite a few um, in my career. I'm grateful that have as a woman, a minority woman in this industry, have been amazing human beings. It's not all bad. But it is, we have a lot of learning to do. We still have a lot of things to change and we need to work together. Cool. There are more women in the music industry now than than there were five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think and I hope every day that we will be more inclined to be supportive of the younger generations than the older generations were with us Mm -hmm. and i think that because they struggled harder it was harder Mm -hmm. to get in and i respect that i respect how challenging that was but i think that we as women need to look as mentoring men and women Mm -hmm. not just women Mm -hmm. i think we as women need to open doors for opportunity not men or women. Mm -hmm. I think that we spend a lot of time defining people by their gender. Mm -hmm. And I think we're learning as a country to be non-gender specific. Let's bring in people that are that are qualified Mm -hmm. for the sake of men and for the sake of women. I don't want to be brought into a project because I'm a woman, although Mm -hmm. I was at one point with a humongous artist who said, I want a minority woman. And they couldn't find one in the industry that knew publishing. So they found me and I had to work with this person. And the reason behind it was so wrong. It was so that that person could treat me like a minority woman, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. So I had to do a little restructuring and a little reminding that. (laughs) And I'm going to say this. I'm a hot-headed Latina, and if you're going to go there, I'm going to go there too, okay? So stand down, you know? So it was a little bit of that, and it was also a little bit of kind of setting some parameters as a woman. But I think more importantly in today's world, we as women need to unite as a strength in, in numbers to better the industry, not just for women, 
for minorities, for younger people, mm-hmm. for, you know, low income kids. You know, my big thing is we bring interns from low income areas that would never get a chance in the music industry, as well as kids that are other, you know, there is a lot of nepotism. There is a lot of things that just don't need to happen. And we could find some amazing talents in schools and high schools that of kids that would never have a chance to come in and work in a publishing company. Transitional so, foster kids. Transitional foster kids. Kids that, you know, just kids that, yeah. that, that so they can dream big. Exactly. I didn't dream when I was in high school that I would ever end up in the music industry, much less owning my own publishing company. Wasn't a thing. Right. Yeah. Career day wasn't about that. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> career day was career day. So I think it's kind of, I think as women, we need to be more united to stop pointing out the gender issues and the racism and the sexisms and the, all those things that we all have dealt with in our careers and push it to, uh, hey, let's get the best people in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, want, if you want that to start to be the normal, right. you have to start acting like it's the normal. Yeah. Why are we waiting around for it to be the normal? Why don't we just start all acting like it is the normal? Mm-hmm. And then it just becomes the normal. Yeah. I think there is there is something to, I'm oftentimes the first female producer people have met, even the guy who was here two days ago. He caught himself saying, well, most guys I'm producing with, he's like, and girls. I was like, it's all right. I'm, I am the first girl I know that you've worked with. So it's, that's cool. There is a sort of a name it, Mm-hmm. to then get past it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you as a woman have to give them permission to get move on. Of course. I right. think that and that's our responsibility. I think mm-hmm. we don't own that responsibility. You don't walk in and go, hi, Latina here. You know, you just don't. <laughs> I mean, you don't have ESQ. to. Yeah. ESQs. Well, I, want the, I want the ESQs to still identify themselves because I want to make sure I know all the lawyers in the room so I don't fuck up. In True. front of them, and yet, and that, that but that's, that's but that's sort of you know, thing. but you know, ESQs come in all shapes and sizes. So mm-hmm. you know, I just want them to identify they're an ESQ. But it, but that's that's part of the the situation that we're in, mm-hmm. where we women have to not put that first, right. you know, not. But when it does come up with someone, and there's a a sensitivity, and mm-hmm. the the men are gentlemen. When they do that and they say, I'm sorry, you know, I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to shake it off, like, yeah, gotcha, no worries. Yeah. Then then it becomes normal. Yeah. And then it won't be pointed out next yeah. time. Right. Then it won't be an issue when you walk in the room mm-hmm. and you're the producer mm-hmm. and not, hi, who are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm the producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so it's, it's kind of changing. We have to change the way we talk as women. Mm-hmm. We have to also, the, the way we write. You know, as women, we can't use the the can'ts and the just and I'm sorry's and the because we are those fixer personalities. That's who we mm-hmm. are. Gender identifies with being the mom or the fixer or the and and we need to help eliminate some of that by not using that language in the room. Yeah. By not saying, wait, don't say that there's a lady in the room. <laughs> I heard that and I nearly fell out of my shoes. I was like, excuse me? You just set us back like 20 years. <laughs> Dude, uh, fuck you. I want to hear the joke. What's the punchline again? I need to write it down because I'm going to use it. You know, and, and and yet, you know, carry ourselves a certain way to get garner the respect. A lot of us, 
because we're young or inexperienced or we're trying to be too equal, Mm -hmm. we forget that we still have to be a lady. We still have to be a woman. We still have to be who we are without putting that on the table. We're there to do the job that we're there. When I'm in the room with, you know, I'm always in the room with a boatload of men and I always happen to be the, Bob, you can identify Mm -hmm. and so can you, Mm -hmm. Yvette. It just turns into this whole like, oh, well, do you want to sit here? Or can I get you coffee? And it, they get really uncomfortable. I'm like, it's all good, dude. It's all good. Like, I, you almost have to, like, get that out of the way like yeah. you did. So yeah. we need to work on that. We totally do. We totally it's, do. It's the right thing to do for the the many, many, many men that are supportive of us. Absolutely. And they and I there, there was something that came up at a, a panel relatively recently where I was in the audience and there were four women speaking and they were talking about that. Well, this guy was like, you know, totally like critiquing me in the, like, I forget exactly, but she, she made it sound like he was like either making fun of her or something that it just clearly sounded like a miscommunication to me, like very clearly. And this person was getting butthurt, like, and it was not, it had nothing to do with her being a girl. And they were like, if anybody has any comments or this or that, and I, and because everybody's like, we don't know how to deal with this when this happens in the studio. And I was like, humor. Mm-hmm. So I, I stood up in front of everybody. It was like 300 people. And I went to the microphone and I was like, um, they're like, somebody, you have a, a, a question? I was like, no, I have a, a comment, actually. Um, humor. If, if there's a miscommunication happening, I can guarantee nobody's trying to to make fun of you. I mean... Like, right. this is a, a clear just miscommunication and, you know, and settle it with a little humor. Honestly, I'm sure nobody was trying to mm-hmm. be a jerk and get through it with a little humor. And I promise it's like all good. And what was it? Two weeks ago at the Guild of Music Supervisors event, somebody who was in that room came up to me and I, di- I didn't know them. And they're like, I saw you at this event like four months ago or whatever. And you said something really smart. And as some guy talking, you know, he's going to be coming to studio soon. It's like, thank you, because you're not you're not the the bad guy. Right. <laughs> no, not these right. men aren't the bad guy. It, it makes yeah. me nuts. Like when it it's like a us versus them thing or something or like it's not like so not. Yeah. Everybody's all the guys are out to get you kind of thing. It's like, come on. That's uh, just so not. It's so not. I did. I not cannot, the deal. I, I identify my enemies as individuals, mm-hmm. not by their gender or or their position in the industry or anything else. Like and and ninety nine percent of the time, you're wrong that they're your enemy. They just got their own shit going on that you don't know anything about because you see ten seconds of a fifty year life, and they got their own shit going on. They're having a bad day. You hit them in a weird way. I guarantee you, you talk to them the next day with a little bit of humor, like, "Hey, man." That was kind of weird, that conversation I saw you at the thing. Are you okay? Just by asking somebody if they're okay, you'll be like, oh, dude, I totally like flamed up on you and I did not mean to. Let's have a chat. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's be humans. Let's be humans. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you, like there was a time in this industry I thought I had 50 enemies. And really, I had like almost none. I probably didn't even have that one that I thought. Because I just I just stepped back and I went, I'm not going to take this shit personally. I'm not going to assume they said that because I'm a woman or I'm blonde or I'm trying or I'm having a little trouble tuning this guitar or I'm, you know, or whatever. I'm just going to assume 
that that's their bucket of shit. <laughs> it's not mine. I don't have to carry it for them. And and it was true. Well, but was I true. agree. You have to have you have to do a little soul searching. Okay, why mm-hmm. am I getting all weird about this? You know, is it a bad day, a bad week, or I just don't like you in the room? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it, is it, you know, or do I need to stop for a minute and laugh at myself and go, okay, whoa, I just went really sensitive on you. It's not your problem. I'm just having a bad day. Right. And and be honest and honesty. Like, it's not about a gender thing. 99% of the time, at least in my experience, has always been... When it's a gender thing, it's like obviously a gender thing. <laughs> well, even if it, even if it is, not. though, you know, I mean, I've had people come into the studio and be like, "Is this your studio?" Like, kind of like, "Where's your boyfriend?" Is does is this his studio? Is oh, this yeah. is your studio? Oh, this is like a long time ago, but like, it does happen where people mm-hmm. come in and and there's just an assumption that's like, mm-hmm. like. That would never add up that I built it myself and designed it and like <laughs> mind blown. <laughs> like, but guess what? That's that's your your attitude towards that is you know guess what? That's not your bucket of shit. No, but I'm, I'm not gonna if they if they're yeah. like if, if is this your plate? No, it is actually. Believe it or not, like I'm gonna. <laughs> that is exactly so excited. That's you know welcome. <laughs> Like, let's do this. And they're like, cool. Wow, this is so cool. And then it allows them to be like, honestly, I've never been it. Well, you know, and then just like, get it out. Fine. Like, neat. Right. Get it out of your system. Cool. But but that's your honesty. It's and that's it. You can tell somebody and be excited about it. Like, yeah, it's mine. And, and this, you know, I built it and I took all this time. I mean, why can't we just do that? Why does someone have to get butthurt? Why does someone have to like internalize it? Why does someone, because we're human. I get it. We mm-hmm. all have bad days. I know a lot of men that are way more sensitive than I am. Oh, yeah. And I know times that I've been hypersensitive and there are times that I'm just having a crummy day and I'll just say, I'm having a crummy day. I don't want you to take this personally. I'm just, let's just get this done so you can go and not be in my presence <laughs> because I'm not very nice and I'm yucky. Today I'm yucky, so you need to be free of yucky. Go. You know, and, and it ends up being something funny or ends up being a little bit lighthearted and it doesn't hold anybody. You just kind of go, okay, cool. I, I'll deal with you. We're good. Let's get it done and we move on. Stop making it about they versus me versus us versus them versus all of that. There is there's too much important stuff to about do. gender that is real and is really happening out there for us to get for for women to get caught up on every little goddamn thing Mm -hmm. we can't get caught up on every little there's too many battles that really need to be fought there's too much time where our energies need to go to the greater good to get hung up on oh well he said that to me he must think i'm a bitch no he fucking had a fender bender and fucked up his car that morning. And so he was in a really bad mood when he saw you and he just reacted emotionally. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Let it and, go. And you may be reacting to one of the guys that's actually on our, you know, has been an advocate for women. Right. Maybe. Exactly. Let's, let's talk about the guys that aren't. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the ones that are ruining exactly. women's, women's careers or, or mm-hmm. that are not letting women in the room or that are asking them to leave because they're about to have a conversation. Because right. I've been a part of those, yeah. too, where I don't leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I say, if it's unanimous, I will leave. But if it's not, I'm staying. Mm-hmm. And it's never 
been unanimous. Mm. So there are those situations, but as a woman, you have to stand firm and you have to stay in the room and you have to, for the sake of everyone else, you mm-hmm. have, no matter how uncomfortable it is, for but not hit them all up because a lot of those guys just, they're still trying. I think it's almost like a really weirdly uncomfortable situation for the next generations that are coming up where they don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. And I think it's mm-hmm. it behooves us to to help them out. You know, we're in this together. They want to do right by us. A lot of them do. Let's help them do right by us by giving them at least a couple of stones to walk on so they're not falling into the river, mm-hmm. you know, and let's try to be there, be human about it. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's what in the music industry right now, I think we need to see more of that. Agreed, than, 100%. Totally. Yeah. And then there'll be more of us in the room and eventually we'll be like you said before, normal. It's just normal. It's just the way it is. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. You're such a badass in this business. (laughs) Thank you. Love you so much. Thank you, Yvette and Bob. This was actually a lot of fun. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. Well done. You've been listening to the Red Dragon Sessions.